You know, I could not help but contain my excitement when I realised that the very last gardening talkback I have to do for a little while, we bring in our gardening guru, the man you love, you love him, you know him, you want to be like him in the garden, but you can't, the well-dressed and groomed Scotty Sharp. G'day, mate. I, I could hear the excitement in your voice then, all yeah. the upwards inflections. No. <laughs> well, mate, as soon, as soon as I woke up this morning and realised it was, what day is it? It's Monday. It's gardening talkback day. Could it be me? Unfortunately, yes. Here I am. <laughs> no, not at all. We love Jude, and she's unwell today, so get well, get well soon. Four nine two one six two one six. That's the number that folks can connect with you today, Scotty. Yeah, and look, we're going to talk about a plant that's out and about at the moment. Everyone's looking at it all across the Newcastle Hunter region. The jacaranda, not my favourite. We'll go into that <laughs> later on. Uh, there is a much nicer plant. It's a little native called baronia. We'll talk about different varieties for that. And of course, getting the bindies out of the lawn very important at this time. Of yeah. Oh, that is, that is, can we move that to the front of our conversation? We don't want to miss out on that one. Straight up the top then. All right, mate, are you ready for some calls here? Let's go. All right, let's get into it. G'day, Murray at Fletcher. Uh, what can Scotty do for you today? Oh, g'day, Scott. How are you, mate? Pretty well, mate. How can we help? Uh, yeah, I've got a final flower which I've had in the garden probably for about 12 months or so, which has been going fantastic. Um, and I just wanted to find out, A, its longevity, and B, is there anything I can do uh, to help it survive for another year or two or so. I just want some advice. I'm a bit of a novice gardener, so I'd just like some information if I could, if that's all right. They're actually quite a tough little plant in a way. It's just you need the right conditions for them. Uh, they do like really well-drained sandy soil. Uh, I guess that's why you see them around, you know, in Sydney around those sandstony sort of areas because the water can drain away quite nicely. So what, what's the? where have you got it, Murray? Have you got it in the ground or in a pot? Uh, well, I've got my best ones in the garden, in the, in the ground. Um, <clears throat> sorry, it's on a on a west east west um, boundary facing south, but it gets a lot of um, shade from the fence, so it does really well. And it is in sandy soil. Um, it's in flower, full flower now. I was just wondering if it, what sort of treatment or what sort of advice you might give um, about after it's finishing finishing flowering. What can I do for it? Yeah, look, just be using as a fertilizer either blood and bone or a native specific fertilizer. Uh, the right. other thing the flannel flowers like is a slightly acidic soil. Uh, so even if you want to do a little soil test and see what uh, you know what your soil is in that area, uh, they like uh, you know ar around that sort of six range. So it's it's slightly acidic. Um, it's uh, you know around that sort of what the thing that. Uh, the uh, pH the camellias and azaleas would like. I mean, in a way, if you treated them like an azalea, they'd actually do quite well um, because azaleas like well-drained soil. They like, you know, slightly uh, acidic pH in their soil, but uh, you just have to be careful about the fertilising of any native plant. It can only be blood and bone or a native-specific fertiliser. All right, no, that's great. Appreciate your help. Okay, so yeah, give us soil test and uh, and, and see what happens and uh, adjust accordingly. All right, best of luck with that, Murray. G'day, Sharon at Madawi. Uh, orchids on your mind today. Hello, Sharon. Well, it looks like we uh, may very well have lost to Sharon there. So we've got some more calls coming through, Scotty, uh, at the moment. Yeah, I read it up on the screen. It said orchid, and I thought it must awkward question, and awkward. it turned out to be a bit awkward. <laughs> no, never, never, never. Um, all right, so while we're waiting for some more to come through, um, can we do the bindies first? Because we're getting to that part of the year, aren't we? Yes, we are getting to that time of year. The grass should be growing. I guess if we had some rain, they'd be, you know, the grass would be growing even more. Mm. So it has gone a little bit crispy, but not a bad idea with all the nice warm sunny days we've got to get out there and treat the bindies because if you don't they just keep on taking over and taking over uh, so very important to do that lots of different ways you can do that uh, you can actually get out there with the old sulfate of ammonia 
uh, if you want to, and just sprinkle it on the bindies or the broadleaf weeds. Now, the trouble with that is it just burns anything that it touches. So mm. it can actually burn your lawn away quite badly as well. Uh, you can use those sort of, you know, spray on weed and feed type ones. Uh, they sort of work a little bit, but the best way to get uh, rid of bindies is to go and give it a De- very definite good mix-up spray. Uh, there's lots of different varieties of uh, chemicals out there you can get. Uh, the thing to do, though, when you go into your local garden centre is let them know or at least you know, turn the packaging over and have a good old read yourself. <laughs> it doesn't uh, hurt, does it? <laughs> it, it, do- it doesn't hurt to just to, uh, to try and uh, inform yourself a little bit about what you're about to do. So uh, but the most important thing is to make sure that you tell or read uh, about the type of grass you've got mm. uh, because buffalo doesn't like to be sprayed uh, any more than twice a year with certain chemicals. So always be careful. Some chemicals might not even uh, be good for buffalo grass. Give it a good old uh, – make sure it's nice and long. Give it a good old spray. Uh, wait for about four or five days with the heat we've got at the moment and you'll just see it starting to burn off and it's happy days. Yeah, take your specs along and have a bit of a read there. Like you said, the last thing you'd want to do is just go hell for leather with a product and realise that the stuff that you want kept becomes more of a victim than the weed. Yes, mm. you can actually knock your lawn back, you know, backwards quite a lot if mm. you uh, use the incorrect spray or even overuse it. Don't go and pour, you know, the little bit extra in there just because you <laughs> think it's going to do, you know, a better job. It's it, not a crock pot. We just a little bit of extra of the ingredient you like. Is yeah, it? that mm. little bit of extra salt and pepper. It's going to do some damage to the lawn. So uh, make sure you do it according to instructions yeah, and ask as many questions from the your team at your local garden centre as well. That's what they're there for. Or you can ask. Gardening guru Scotty Sharp, just as you have done, Paul at Wall's End, uh, you want to have a chat about lily pilly trees, Paul? Yes, I do. Hey, Paul, how can we help you with them? Hey, Scott, I've been trying to get on you for ages. Um, I I uh, lived in the bush for a long time, and I moved back to suburbia, and all of these people around me, I got about ten houses planted around me, so I planted fifty-two lily pillies around the boundary. Right, and, and is that keeping the neighbours away? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Very good. I'm just making yeah. a note of that, actually. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it was a freak out, you know. I've been in the bush for a long time. Anyway, um, I'm just wondering, uh, how, many, how often should I be, be cutting them back, pruning them back? Yeah, look, lily pillies, they are a very prunable tree. I mean, of course, you can use them for toperies as well. So if you want to get out and carve some elephants or some, you know, mermaids, you know, spurting water, uh, you could do that as well, Paul. But uh, I I would say, you know, a couple of times a year, you'll notice at the moment they're probably having a big old growth spurt for you. Uh, So it's always, always a good time to get out there and just keep it under control. Um, of course, once you get to winter, they, they slow right up. So you do them, you know, September now and then again in February, March when we start to get the humidity. And by the time it's got back to winter, they'll fill themselves back out, hardened off to go through the colder months. That's fantastic. And and what about, um, they're the lily pillies that have a fruit on them like, you know, as big as the top of your thumb. And they're, and they're quite bitter, but they're not, I eat them. And the birds just love them. Yeah, so all lily pillies will fruit to some degree or another. Of course, there's lots of different varieties out there now. And and people plant them, uh, you know, really according to the height of the hedge that they want. 
Uh, there's little, you know, ones like Tiny Trev that only gets to about a metre or so. And then you can get to, you know, the Southern Gold, um, Cascades. They'll get to three to four metres. And, of course, then there's just the old-fashioned Lamani, um, which has the pinky red growth on it. It will get into quite a large tree. So if you are going to plant a lily-pilly hedge, uh, they all will get fruit on them to some degree. Uh, they will get psyllids as well, which is the little pimpling and insects uh, that they get. But it's not such a bad thing. You can prune it off, uh, just, you know, keep it under control that way. But always buy your lily-pilly hedge uh, in accordance to, I guess, how tall uh, you want it to be. You don't want it to be overshadowing and, uh, you know, making a real, you know, sort of mess of your lawn or anything with the shade getting on there. All right, best of luck, Paul. G'day, Helen at Madawi. Frangipanis and, uh-oh, stink bugs. What's happening, Helen? Hi, Scotty. How are you? Yes, very well. How can we help? I've got a friend of Penny that looked like it died in about December and then at the end of January it set up three new shoots from the centre trunk. I'm wondering if, can I cut back the dead stuff around it or how far down do I cut? Yeah, I would definitely start cutting some of that dead stuff back. Have you had a bit of a squeeze of the frangipani uh, to see if it's, uh, you know, almost collapsed or rotted away in, inside in under there? Yeah, the soft ones have. Soft yeah. ones are soft to squeeze. They're not runny or anything. They're just soft. Yeah, okay. So I'll just start at the top uh, and start pruning back until you get to that nice green, hard sort of frangipani wood uh, that you get. And there's nice sap flowing out of there. And then if you wanted to, you can seal those cuts off. Uh, but frangies tend to seal themselves off pretty well, you know, after a couple of days. Uh, so definitely just start up there. Get rid of all that, uh, you know, soft... Uh, wood in the frangipani, it's not going to do very well and get it back until it's nice and firm and you've got that sap running out of it. So what do I seal it off with? Uh, there's a product called SteriPrune out there in the big wide world. Uh, you can either uh, buy it as a, a paint or as an aerosol. Uh, either a very good, you just need an old paintbrush uh, because you do destroy the paintbrush in the process if you're going to use the, the little tin. Uh, the other thing you can do is get some wood putty, but I think the SteriPrune is probably the best product to use. So I've got a native French penny as well, yes. and it's about or oh, maybe ten foot high. Yes, it grows like a foot every year, and then sends out new branches, and then there's a bee, another foot, and then another ten branches. Can I trim it off at the top to see whether it bush out? You can do that if you want to. Uh, now native French pennies are. A, a bit of a different beast to the ornamental frangipanis, yeah. you know, the Hawaiian ones that we so love, um, because the native frangipani is, is much a much more upright tree. Uh, it would get to well, probably seven or eight metres tall, uh, so it does naturally want to have that, you know, that very tall structure to it. Uh, if you want to, you can certainly prune, prune it back if you want to. It might be, though, that you prune out the main leader and then you'll lose that uh, upright shape of it, so you just have to be a little bit careful about the way you're doing that. Oh, and, will, and the stink will it bugs? be more bushy then? It certainly won't be much bushier for you. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah. Okay. And the other thing is, I've got those horrible stink bugs on my lemon bush tree. Yes. If I use neem to spray it, can I still eat the leaves and that off it or not? Yeah, now this is one of these things where you need to always read your instructions about neem oil. Uh, from my memory, if it... Uh, is you can't use it on edible plants, but always turn over the instructions or ask the staff member at your local garden centre about that. You do need to be careful about using neem oil uh, on edible plants. Uh, either you know go and the old vacuum cleaner or the cheap vacuum cleaner from uh, you know one of the shops uh, and just suck them off. Or uh, if you want to 
you can also use like a pyrethrum spray to try and keep them under control. All right, best of luck with everything there, Helen. As part of Gardening Talkback, let's get back into it. G'day to you, Irwin at Fullerton Cove. Your mango tree needs a bit of a trip to the doctors, does it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's not my tree, but uh, it's my sister's and she's a bit shy about ringing up, so I'm doing it for her. <laughs> well, we're glad you're not shy. How can we help you with it? Um, got this mango tree, and we last year we still got fruit off it, but this year it, all the flowers just seem to be dying off, and, and it's got a lot of dead branches on it. So we've given it a, a bit of a prune and um, cut all the dead branches and that off it, but down along the trunk, the bottom of the trunk, the bark is all sort of cracking up and, and peeling off. Yeah, it sounds like it's not a very happy tree in that case. Uh, and where is the tree exactly? Is it um, where? Where are you at, or the or the tree with your sister? I'm at, at Fullerton Cove, but she's at um, Rathmines. Oh, okay, okay. So it's not you know in in real sandy soil in that case. No, it's not in real sandy soil. It's fairly good soil. Yeah. Oh, look, I, I think the idea of giving it a good hard prune back is probably uh, you know that's the right thing to do. Uh, when you've got cracking bark like that, uh, you know, it just leaves the, the plant open to incursion from insect, from borers, uh, and to fungal disease as well. That's so, what I'm mainly ringing about. I'm just wondering, can I peel that off and can I paint it with something to seal it again? Yeah, look, I wouldn't necessarily just go and peel it off. What I would do, though, is uh, get a fungicide like copper oxychloride and actually spray that, uh, you know, down all in around the trunk there just to try and seal that off and stop any fungal disease um, getting into the plant. Keep that for yeah. next year as well because when you said the flowers are dying off, uh, that yeah. means it might have anthracnose, which is a fungal disease as well, that gets in the flower and then spreads down uh, into the fruit and finally onto the leaves of the plant and makes it generally unhappy. So you're going to use that copper oxychloride this year and probably next year again as well. So... Spray that just on the on the uh, trunk where yeah, it's peeling. Yeah, a, a really good drenching, a really good drenching down through the trunk. Now, the other thing we were talking about earlier on is a product called Steri Prune. Uh, it's a tar-based paint, and it seals off and protects a plant if you've done some pruning, or like in your situation, um, where the uh, the bark is peeling off. Now you can get yeah. that as a, as I said, as a little tin uh, that you use a paintbrush, or you can get it as, as an aerosol and can just spray that around. Uh, so I would be going and getting some of that as well uh, yeah. and just spraying that all where you can see the uh, you know the barks peeling off. I wouldn't necessarily yeah. go and peel off the bark yourself. Yeah, uh, right. Now, the other thing I'll be doing is having a really good look around that plant uh, to see if there's any borers in there. Uh, you might see those as around the intersection of you know the branches where they, they everything you know sort of goes you know joint joins together. Uh, now you'll yeah. see uh, holes there. Uh, you might see also some frass, which is uh, the, I guess, the byproduct. It goes in and has a little bit of an eat, and stuff comes out the back of the borer, and then it goes out through the hole as well. So it just looks like sawdust uh, that sits around the hole. If you do find that, you're going to need to treat that as well. Uh, you can either inject back down into those holes with an insecticide, or just give the plant a very good drenching, so that uh, you know it gets all down into those holes in in around the bark. But I'd definitely be checking for borers uh, to see if that mango tree's got that. Okay, best of luck uh, for your sister there, Irwin. And next up, we'll head to Cessnock for Tamara. Uh, your mulberry tree. What's happening with the mulberry tree, Tamara? Oh, it's actually my blueberry bush. <laughs> 
Oh, that's a, that's quite different. <laughs> but we'll talk we'll talk about the blueberry as well. <laughs> yes, sorry. Um, I have before it started flowering and putting fruit on. I noticed it had black scale, um, and I've been treating it with a just a spray. It's a multi-purpose kind of pest. It does say it do, um, treats black scale, mm-hmm. but it hasn't deterred them, moved them on, nothing. And I've been doing it twice weekly for probably a month now. Yeah, so I, I think when you get those multi-purpose sort of things, they're trying to be a jack of all trade, master of none, a bit like me, yeah. really, when I think about it. Yeah. Uh, what I'd be doing is getting something a little bit more specific to be treating black scale. Even if you've got some white oil, that works an absolute treat uh, because what okay. it does, it sort of settles on the scale and that scale you see in underneath there, that sort of waxy shell, there's a tiny little insect in there that's sucking the sap out of the plant. So what the white oil does is it settles on the top and effectively sort of chokes the... I know it sounds a bit horrible, doesn't it? But it it just sort of clogs it up and then the the scale in underneath there dies. You can actually mix some insecticide with it as well if you want to or there are anti-scale products out there that are insecticide and white oil mixed together. And what that does is that the white oil breaks down the shell and then the insecticide gets in there. But white oil does, you know, a pretty good job by itself. So I'd be doing that. Uh, And then you'll find that the scale is dead um, when it's sort of, uh, you can see it's dried off a little bit and you can just flick it off gently uh, with your fingernail or with the toothbrush. And that's that's when it's good to go. You need to get rid of the scale because... Uh, it exudes a residue and the ants come up to feed off that. They can bring fungal yeah. spores up and then all of a sudden you have sooty mould, which is a black-looking uh, sort of powdery dust all over the plant and it just gets into this death spiral and the plant's very unhappy after that. Okay. Um, should I be pruning off where it currently is because it's quite a lot that's on there? Look, I, I wouldn't do that at the moment. I'd get out there and treat with the white oil and see how you go with that okay. first, yeah. All right, awesome. Thank you. Okay, thank you, Tamara. Thanks so much, Tamara. And sometimes, Scotty, yeah, people want to have a second bite at the cherry, as it were. And super quick, uh, Paul at Wall's End, you have a, another one final Lily Pilly question, There's Paul. N- no double jeopardy here. It's all good. Oh, good on you, Scott. Good on you, mate. Food. What should... What should I be feeding the lily pilly, Scott? Yep. Now, they're a native, Paul, so be really careful with them. Uh, you can't give them cow manure or poultry manure. You'll over-fertilise them and you'll just burn them out from the inside. So you really just need to use blood and bone or uh, go to your local garden centre and ask for a native-specific fertiliser. Uh, there's lots of different brands out there and varieties. Uh, so it's either blood and bone or a native-specific fertiliser and uh, you'll Fertilise them up a treat. On air, online, squeeze into your smartphone. It's a gardening talkback with our gardening guru, Scotty Sharp. Who's, mate, you've been on fire this afternoon, i got to say. Answering questions, knocking them back one by one. Yeah. Well, look, it's like, you know, when you strike that match and you get, it goes, that's, yes. that's me this afternoon. It's like it, it strike the match, it's like a big dynamite or something. Yeah, then it quickly fades out. <laughs> <laughs> not yet, though, not yet. G'day, Karen at Warners Bay. What is your question for Scotty today, Karen? Yeah, hi guys. Look, my question is, we have uh, three Umophilia maculatas that are around a metre high. They've been in for about over 12 months, but they're quite spindly, and I'm not sure they've got a few little flowers and very tiny leaves coming, like on them, but I'm not sure when I should be cutting them back. Should I wait till after summer now and try to cut them back to encourage some new growth, or what? 
Uh, look, the only thing about at the moment, it's very, very dry and plants are going to be stressed. So giving yeah. a plant a cutback at the moment is probably not the best thing because then it generates new growth. Uh, so, look, I, I would be waiting uh, probably now until about February, March uh, yeah. be the best time. We've you know, Hopefully we've had some rain, some decent rain by then, uh, you know, in the more humid months. That would be the time to give it a cutback. Yeah, sure. Okay. All right. That's great. That's okay. what I thought. Okay. Thanks, Karen. Bye-bye. Best of luck, Karen. Good afternoon to you, Shirley, at Whitebridge. Uh, you're looking at to uh, plant some uh, coloured potted flowers in a shaded area. Hey, Shirley, how can we help you? Yes, good. Thanks, Scott. Um, yeah, so I want to know what I could um, plant as colour, you know, in a, a shade, much shaded area. doesn't get much sun at all. Yeah, no, look, that's fine. I think one of the best things you can put into a shaded area for potted colour are violas. Uh, now you can violas. Get, yeah, you can get violas year-round. Uh, I guess they're a bit like a, a pansy flower, but they're a little bit smaller. Oh, yes. Yeah. I think we've got one uh, outside, actually, down the back. Yeah, so, look, I, I think they really are the best uh, sort of, you know, bedding plant uh, in, oh. in a very shady area. You can't really grow petunias. Uh, look, you can give them a try, but, um, you know, no, they just get too spindly yeah in in shady areas you'll find they'll start to get fungal disease as well uh, so i really do think uh, yeah viola is probably the best uh, best plant to get into the uh, oh, into the pots thanks so much for telling me that that's all right. i didn't have a clue of what and my husband he does all gardening but um he doesn't like putting flowers in but it's just that area I think it'll be nice because when you come out onto the veranda you can see well they'll have to now surely get him into those violas all right Yes, thank you. <laughs> Good on you, Shirley. Good afternoon, Susan at Karua. What is happening with your veggie patch, Susan? Well, we've got an above-ground one that we built. We put some drainage underneath it, so that seems to be all right. But I get a lot of those big white grub things, you know, the curly ones. Yes. And, and what I'm wondering, if I... Um, uh, put a product in there, go and buy a product in there and water into the soil to kill them, is it going to kill all the worms? Uh, look, yes, it's going to do that. So what you've got mm. there is the curl grub, which is effective. It's the pupa of the Christmas beetle. Uh, oh. you know, yeah, so if you start going off killing killing it, you're going to be, you know, sort of disrupting the, the Christmas beetle's life cycle as well, unfortunately. Oh, okay. Yeah, and, and, yeah. and the worms. Um, but mm. they do do a tremendous amount of damage. You'll probably notice that they start off pretty small and then all of a sudden they become these big fat sort of white yeah. bulbous things. And guess what? That they're, they're big and fat and white like that because they've been eating the root system of the plants. Oh, okay. Yeah. And, and Oh, thank you for that. I wouldn't like to kill them if we're not <laughs> going to have any Christmas beetles. And I definitely don't want to kill the worms. But the other thing is with my veggie garden at the moment, I've got um, rhubarb in there and then I'll put some beans in. Something's coming up at the coming of the night time and nibbling all the leaves. Mm. Yeah, that'd be what me. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> You, you get need one of those cameras, those sort of uh, nature, you know, trail cameras, and you'll find Mark there with this really surprised look on his face, <laughs> nibbling at the beans. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm thinking it's coming out of the soil. I don't think it's an animal. <laughs> Okay. Look, uh, look. In situations like that, when there's been a, you know a lot of nibbling of a plant, I always put it down to uh, you know a rodent of some sort, you know a bush, a bush rat or something, or a possum. 
Okay. Yeah. yeah. I, I really think it's it's going to be something like that. All um, right. Yeah, yeah, when you get a lot of nibbling of a plant. All right, uh, Susan, best of luck with all of that. 49216216. Scotty, probably got about another minute, maybe two minutes, to squeeze a couple of more folks in. You, you up for the challenge? Absolutely. Just pick up the phone and give us a call. 2NURFM 103.7 and our uh, final little bit of gardening talkback for today. Mate, the hour has just flown just like that, Scotty. It has. But don't we love it when people call in? Absolutely. Uh, almost a world record number of calls today. Let's see if we can add to that list. Michelle at Cameron Park, you have a, uh, a climbing question for Scotty today. Yes. Hi, guys. Hi, Michelle. Uh, How can we help? Um, I'm looking for a wisteria. I'm having no joy anywhere picking one up other than online, and I don't want to buy anything online. No, no, fair enough. Uh, look, it is probably the time to get out there and try and find wisterias. Uh, now, if... Uh, I'll be I'll be sort of mystical here, but uh, wisterias grow a little bit better up in the valley. So if you started to uh, you know head up to the woods, the Hunter Valley, um, you know the New England Highway, you'd be more likely to find wisterias in your local garden centres up there rather than you know down uh, you know I guess in the Newcastle inner city area because they're quite a rambling climber. So uh, you know the nurseries up there do sell them because they'll climb over old you know fences and old sheds and things. So. A really great, quick-growing plant, but you have to make sure uh, that, you know, whatever you're going to plant it on, uh, they do get quite hard and woody over time, and they can destroy like a pergola, uh, you know, so you have to be very careful about that. But uh, generally, if you want to get one, have a little bit of a drive up the New England Highway and stop at a local garden centre up there and you'll find one. So the question is, Michelle, do you have the yard for it? Mm. Yeah, I do. I've got a great big, long... Colourbond fence, and it's just bright and horrible, yep. and I want something over the top of it. Perfect. To, the, the to hide the Colourbond fence. The wisteria will definitely do that. You can get them in purples, whites, pinks. They're a fantastic, quick-growing climber, mm. but you have to be careful about where you put them. Best of luck with all of that, Michelle, and the drive and the fence. Scotty, we've uh, run out of time, so, mate, a, a pleasure was uh, was all mine today. Thanks for coming in. We just can't do it again next week. You, you won't be here. Gardening Talkback is back next week, though, uh, on a Monday afternoon. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.